Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and you're listening to the Unchangeable Truth Podcast. Today, you're listening to Pastor Stephen's sermon titled, Life, Light, and the Promised Messiah. And he's coming out of John chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. Hey, I love the story of this little boy who went to Sunday school for the very first time. And after Sunday school, his dad was asking him some questions. How'd he like it? And, you know, how did it go? How'd he like the teacher? And the dad said, oh, hey, so what was your teacher's name? And the little boy said, hmm, I don't remember, but she must have been Jesus's nana. And he said, why do you say that? He said, because all she talked about was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That is like the guy who wrote this book of the New Testament that we started studying two weeks ago. The Gospel according to John, and we know that there are four Gospel accounts, but there's only one Gospel, and that's the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But John, over and over again, has been saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's a series that we are going to be walking for almost two years through, and you can see the title of it is Life in His Name that there is life in the name of Jesus Christ. One of the things that we looked at as we looked at the first three verses in John chapter one, two weeks ago, are these attributes of Jesus. He says, Jesus is the word. Jesus exists eternally with God. Jesus is the creator and Jesus holds all things or sustains all things together. He's gonna pick up this morning where he left off talking about Jesus. Look there with me in John chapter 1, and we'll look at verses 4 through 9. And now again, I ask you to bear with me. I'm still dealing with some of this throat stuff like some of you guys as well. And I have a cough drop that I've slid in my mouth. Hopefully it will help. I've got a good friend who, uh, he takes a cough drop, puts it in his mouth, and he's like, you know, I know how long it takes me to get rid of that cough drop. And so when I finish sucking on that cough drop, I know it's time to finish the sermon. I've got three cough drops in my pocket. (laughs) So we're not basing it on that, okay? John 1, verse 4. In him, and again, him is Jesus. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Again, he continues on giving us three more descriptions or attributes of Jesus Christ. And these are, these are so Uh, simple, again, yet so profound in their meaning. First of all, Jesus is the life. He says right there in verse four, in him was life. Now, did you know the word life appears over 200 times in the New Testament alone? We'll eventually get to John 14, verse six. Jesus says there, I am the way and the truth and the what? Life. We'll get to John 10, 10, and Jesus is going to say there, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life 
and life more abundantly. So over and over again, through the book of John and through the entire New Testament, we see the word life. When it comes to the word life in the New Testament, there are two Greek words that are used. Now, from time to time, I'll get folks that'll say this to me. You're always talking about the Greek. Why don't you ever tell us what it means in Spanish? Or why don't you tell us what it means in French? Well, because the New Testament was written in Greek. But there are two words. The first word for life in the New Testament is the word bios. Bios. Bios actually is physical life. Everybody has physical life. You're here this morning and, you know, your, your blood is pumping oxygen to your lungs and your brain is firing and you're here and you're alive. You have bios, physical life. We get our word biology from that. So it's not a quality of life, it's just life within itself. When Jesus promised life and life in abundance, and when it's talking about all life or life is through him here, it's not talking about bios. It's not talking about physical life. Instead, it's talking about the second Greek word that means life, and that is the word zoe. Because zoe means eternal life. And the only folks that have eternal life are those who have a relationship personally with Jesus Christ. Again, it's not talking about biology of life, it's talking about the quality of life. It's life on a higher plane. It's actually more than merely existing. We would say this, it's real living. See, what happens is, guys, we have this bios, and we sit there and we think, you know what, I really have life. I'm really living, but the Bible makes it very clear that life apart from Christ is not even life within itself. I'll give you an example. It's amazing how we confuse what real living is. Several years ago, there was this wealthy Texas oil man and he, uh, he left instructions when he died that he wanted to be buried in his Cadillac, wearing a 10 gallon hat with a big cigar in his mouth. And he wanted them to fill his Cadillac with all of his stuff. And so there they were and they had to get a crane to lower this Cadillac down into the hole in the ground. And there were two funeral guys that were working there, cemetery guys, and they're lowering the car down, filled with this guy sitting behind the steering wheel, big cigar, right? Big old hat, all this stuff. And as it's going down in the ground, one of the funeral guys turns to the other and he goes, that's real living right there, isn't it? No, that's not really living. That's what really dying. And we would agree with that, but yet we set our lives up in such a way that it's almost like we think that is really living. Yet listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said that a man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. Real life is knowing Jesus. That if I were to ask you this morning, give me a definition of eternal life, what would you say? Most folks would say this, eternal life means living forever. And you would be partially correct in making the statement that it indeed is living to forever. But Jesus goes ahead and gives us a perfect definition of eternal life. It's in John chapter 17, verse 3. Listen to what Jesus says 
about eternal life. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one that you have sent, Jesus Christ. You can go over to 1 John chapter 5, verse 17, and it says this, the one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. See, again, you and I and many, many other folks, we confuse life and living. We confuse bios and zoe. Again, Jesus Christ did not come to die so that you might have bios. We all have that. He died so that you might have zoe, eternal life. I'll explain it this way. I like to... Uh, I like to time from time buy my wife flowers. And, and guys, listen to me. I'm gonna give you some advice. You, you, probably, you probably weren't looking for this, but I'll just go ahead and shoot it to you, okay? When you go to the store, guys, to get your wings or to get your sub pubs, pub sub, whatever, you, uh, you, are you gonna buy something expensive like a carton of eggs? For 10 to 20 bucks, man, you can pick up a bouquet of flowers and you can take them home. And you're like, why would I? Exhibit number one, she married you. That's a great reason, that's a great reason. You know, uh, a little bit of equity never hurts either. You know what I'm saying? So go ahead. But I like to buy my wife flowers. And so not too long ago, I was there and I was in the store and come right by the little flower shop that's there. And so I'm looking and I'm like, you know what? I think, I know she likes tulips. I'll go ahead and get her some tulips. And so I'm over there and I'm looking around in the flowers and this sweet little old lady who works there, she says, hey, may I help you? And I said, no, ma'am, it's okay. I'm just, I'm just looking at some, uh, some, uh, some live flowers. And she said, we don't have live flowers. She said, all our flowers are dead. And I said, well, no, ma'am, I don't want any fake flowers. I see them over there. No, I'm getting some live flowers to take home. And she said, well, unless you're gonna buy a potted plant, they're all dead. And then she smiled and she said, I watched that sermon that you preached about Christmas trees. You remember the one that you said that, you know, if you have a live Christmas tree, if it's cut off from the root, it's actually dying? These flowers are the same way. And I said, well, thank you. That'll preach right there. And I said, I'm just gonna go over here and look at some dead tulips. See, it's the very same way, guys. This is exactly what he is communicating in this passage of Scripture right here, that there are many people around us who look like they really have life. They've been, they've been lulled into this delusion of what real living is, and they look alive, and they decorate their lives with all kinds of lights and all kinds of shiny things. But if they don't know Jesus Christ, he says they don't have life. They're cut off from the source of life. One of the things this precious little lady said to me is this, some of our dead plants look more alive than others. 
Some people may look more alive than others, but apart from Christ, they're dead. He is the life, but then secondly, he is the light. Look in verse four. In verse four, the life has the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, I want you to notice with me this morning two things that the light of Jesus Christ does for us. First of all, the light of Jesus Christ discloses my sin. Whenever you're in the Bible and you're reading about darkness, darkness is always talking about our evil deeds. When you're talking of light, you're talking about obedience unto Christ. And so, according to this passage of Scripture, here we are and you know, we're, 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 we're doing these evil deeds and he's calling us to light and we have the prince of darkness that is Satan. And, you know, Jesus even goes on and describes hell as a place of outer darkness. Jesus even goes ahead and says this, that men love outer darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. And that we want to sit there and we want to think that our evil deeds are hidden to everyone. But God sees and knows. That here's the very light of Jesus and he, he shines through to reveal to you and I our sin. That's the reason why elsewhere the Bible, can, it compares God's word to what? A mirror. What does a mirror do? A mirror shows me where I'm dirty. A mirror shows me where I'm unkept. That I take the very word of God and I hold it up in front of my life and I'm like, where am I not matching up? Where, where, where am I walking in darkness instead of walking in light? When we first got married, Jennifer had this big makeup mirror. And I can remember the very first time I went in and it was lit and I turned it on and I sat down and I looked in it. Ladies, I don't know how you do that. Because it revealed every flaw, every wrinkle, every blemish, every stray hair. And then, and then, and then all of a sudden, I flipped it over. And it illuminated and magnified every flaw and every stray hair and every single blemish. Well, guys, listen to me. That's kind of what this is talking about right here that the very light of Jesus does in our life, that he illuminates who we are. I want you to hear what it says in Mark 4, verse 22. Jesus said, there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed, nothing concealed that will not be brought to light. That this is what the very light of the Holy Spirit does to our souls, that he turns up the light to its brightest setting. He turns it up to its highest magnification. And I don't know about you, but I don't always necessarily want his light shining into my life and into my sin. Why? Because it's very revealing. Sometimes it's painful. But hear me, it's absolutely necessary. Because only exposed problems can be resolved. Only exposed problems can be can be dealt with in obedience to the Holy Spirit of God. And so you're sitting there and once you've asked the Holy Spirit of God to shine his light of conviction into the depths of your soul, do you know what I know will change about all of us? None of us will be walking around strutting, bragging about who we are. We like to do that, don't we? 
We like to exalt other people's sin above ours. We like to cast stones at those that we think have not measured up. Hello, there's a mirror for me. The light is bright. The magnification is there. But it's absolutely necessary. Why? Because please let me remind you that the whole pursuit of this salvation thing is not simply to give you just Zoe, just eternal life, but it is a daily making you more and more into the very image of Jesus Christ. That it is God transforming us so that he gets great glory through our lives as our thoughts change and our desires change. And the only way that can happen is by his light illuminating into our lives and revealing and exposing the darkness that is there. It discloses my sin. But then secondly, it directs my way. Have you guys ever asked God for guidance before on which way you should go? We all have, haven't we? I would love if God were to use the map app, navigation, GPS, something. Wouldn't it be great if God just sat there and God said, you know what? Turn right at 390 and two miles down on the left will be your final destination. But he doesn't do that. He actually has something much better than a map app or navigation. Do you know what I found out? I have found that when it comes to map apps, they're not always the best. They don't always lead you in the best direction. Do you know that sometimes they'll take you in a route that would be better if you didn't even go? You know, sometimes they'll even say, this is the fastest way to do it. You venture off of it, and lo and behold, you're like, oh my goodness, I've just saved 10 minutes. Do you know this? Do you know that there are roads that are so new that they're not even yet on the software? Yesterday, we were driving over to Destin, and, uh, you know, we're taking... Uh, the airport road, you know how they've done all that crazy stuff at the airport with the roundabout and all. What bright scientist came up with that? You know, this, anyway. But, but if you keep on going versus making your way and turning right and you just keep on going, it's a lot faster and you can get to the end. But the problem is it's not in any map app. And so I'm sitting there and it's showing me I'm driving off into the creek. And it's like recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. Here's what it was wanting to say. Turn around now. Why do you still have time? This is not a road. This is not a path. It literally showed that it was going to take me 11 hours to get to Destin. (laughs) And I just kept on going. And then I turned on 79 and it's like, oh yeah, you'll get there 15 minutes earlier. Hey, hear me, God's direction is greater than any of that. Because there's never a road to where God's like, I didn't know that was there. There's never a bump where God's like, oh my goodness, I I didn't know that was coming up. There's never a situation to where, you know, oh my goodness, I didn't know the construction was gonna be taking place on a rainy Sunday. I would've wore different shoes. No, because it's all according to God's Word, 
The very light of Jesus Christ that is directing my way. I love, I love the promise. Listen to this. It's in Isaiah 30, verse 21. It says, and whether you turn to the right or you turn to the left, your ears will hear this command behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. The psalmist writes in Psalm 119, 105, your word, Lord, your word is a light unto my feet, a light and a lamp for my path. That God's word will guide you guys through uh, your life as you pick up your Bible and you study your Bible. It's a daily pursuit. Don't find yourself sitting there saying, oh my goodness, I'm dealing with a certain situation in my life. Let me go find, let me go find some scripture that has to deal with that because I want to know what God wants me to do with that. Now that's better than nothing, but instead sit there in a daily time with God in his word. I'm studying his word. I'm seeing him reveal himself to me more and more on a daily basis. And here's what the neat thing about God's word is this. The very thing that you sit there and you're like, I don't even know. I don't even know what he's teaching me here. I don't even know what he's directing me here. All of a sudden you find yourself going down that path and you're like, oh my goodness. God told me this was coming. Oh my goodness, God's already prepared me for this. God has already revealed the way to go as I've been studying his word. And so he is life, he is light. Here's the third. He fulfills all the prophecies. In verses six through nine, we're introduced to another guy by the name of John. You know him as John the Baptist. Lived in the wilderness, wore rough clothing, never cut his hair, ate locusts and honey. People ask John who he was. I want you to hear what he said. This is in John 1.23. John said, I'm the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. So here he is, he's referencing what the prophet said. What did the prophets say? They said a Messiah is coming. What did they say? They said Jesus is coming. Here is John and John's like, hey guys, look, look. Don't focus on me, don't exalt me, don't worship me, don't keep your eyes on me, no, no, no. I've been sent just like the Old Testament prophets to tell you of one that's coming. I've been called to point you to Jesus. He fulfilled all the prophecies. First of all, he fulfilled all the prophecies of the past. You know, there are hundreds of passages of prophecy in the Old New Testament that predict the future. And here we are standing now in the 21st century and some of the Bible prophecies are history and some of them are future. Christ alone has already fulfilled over 350 Old Testament prophecies. For Christmas, my daughter got me this poster that I'm gonna frame that shows how Christ fulfilled Old Testament prophecies in the New Testament. I think we've got a picture of that to put on the screens this morning. Do you see that? Old Testament to the left, New Testament to the right, just over and over and over. It was said centuries and centuries before Jesus came to Bethlehem and he fulfilled it. Where he would be born, where he would be raised, how he would live, how he would die over and over and over again. 
that Isaiah, long before Christ put on flesh, predicted that a light would come shining into a time of spiritual darkness, and Jesus was and is that light. Maybe this morning you're like, I'm still kind of a skeptic a little bit about the Bible. That's okay. I want to challenge you this morning. Seriously study the dozens upon dozens of specific predictions made about Jesus before he came in Bethlehem. The very prophecies predicted he fulfilled every single one. Only one individual has ever lived to do it all, and that's him, Jesus of Nazareth. He fulfilled the prophecies of the, fa- of the past, but don't miss this. He'll also fulfill the prophecies of the future. That for every one prophecy of the past that Jesus has fulfilled, there will be eight prophecies that he will fulfill in the future. I'll give you an example. Isaiah said this. Isaiah said there are two prophecies about Jesus that have been fulfilled in history, but there are 10 more predictions that will be fulfilled when Jesus Christ returns to set up his earthly kingdom. Look at this passage, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. It says, for a child will be born to us. That's done. A son will be given to us. That is done. And the government will be on his shoulders. That's not done, but it will be. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast. Its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. And so John says, my main job is to bear witness. My main job is to point you to the one the one who has fulfilled all the prophecy and the one who will fulfill all the rest of the future prophecy. That's why I have life is what John is saying. John is saying, listen, don't put your eyes on me. Put your eyes on Jesus. And that's our job too. We can't be content just to sit there and say, all right, I've got the life of Jesus. I've got the light of Jesus. No, no, no. We've got to also be helping put other people into the light, into the life that Jesus can offer to them as well. I think there's a powerful truth in this passage that a lot of people miss. Look at the last part of verse nine. Let me draw this out. The Bible says in the last part of verse nine, the true light that gives light to every man coming into the world. Now notice this. God doesn't just offer light to Christians. God doesn't just send light to the Jews. He doesn't just send light to religious people. God sends light to everyone. This light, again, representing the very knowledge of God, has been revealed to every single person who has ever breathed a breath on planet Earth. So if a person has never read the Bible, if a person has never heard the gospel presented to them, God has given them enough light to lead them to the very truth about Jesus Christ. 
But here's the sad truth, church. There are some folks that'll take this light and they deny it. And when you turn your light on, uh, life on the light, all of a sudden it gets darker and darker and darker. Imagine with me. Imagine that I were, I were to wake up one morning before dawn and I see a light out on the eastern horizon and I start walking toward that light. I start heading east, what's going to happen? The light's gonna get brighter and the light's gonna get brighter and the light's gonna get brighter until all of a sudden I'm going to be right there in the full brightness of the light. Well, spiritually, when it comes to the light that God is offering and God gives, if there are folks that keep following that and the light gets brighter and the light gets brighter and then all of a sudden they meet the son of righteousness, Jesus Christ. But let's imagine this. Let's imagine it's late afternoon. The sun is setting in the west and I turn my back and I start walking east. And the further and further I get away from the light, all of a sudden it's gonna get darker and darker and darker until I find myself in only darkness. And sadly, spiritually, millions of people walk away from the light until their hearts become totally darkened. Do you know what our job is as followers of Christ? Like John the Baptist. Lead them to the light. Lead them to the life. Lead them to the truth about Jesus Christ. Friend, it's not simply enough for you to be here today and say, you know what, I have received the light. I have received the life. I have a relationship with Jesus. I'm content. I know heaven will be my home. I know everybody in my family will be in heaven. No, 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 no. Our priority, our mandate by God is that we might in turn draw others to the light. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. True story. A guy by the name of Suli Carullo, pastors the church in Fiji. That church has planted over a thousand churches around the globe. Years ago, he found himself on the island of Madagascar. His translator told him, there's this old man that lives up in the mountains by himself. He has no contact with anyone. He's considered somewhat of a holy man. And so Suli said that they climbed up that mountain to find this man who had lived there his entire life. There was no electricity there, there was no running water. He had very little contact with the outside world. The translator introduced Suli as a pastor who had come a long way to tell him good news. The old man asked Suli, did you bring me a Coca-Cola? And Suli laughed and said no. No, I didn't bring you a Coca-Cola. Have you ever had a Coca-Cola? And the old man said, no, I've never had one, but I've heard they're delicious. Suli said, I've got something better than a Coca-Cola for you. I'm here to tell you about the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ. And then Suli started sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with this old wise man. And he said that as he shared, tears started trickling down the cheeks of the old man. That when Suli finished sharing, the old man said this. He said, I've always known deep down in my heart that there's one great God who created everything. 
I've always resisted the witchcraft and the tribal magic of my people. There always seemed to be this flicker of light that I couldn't reach. I've asked the creator many times to send someone to teach me about this light. And today, I have heard the light's name is Jesus. And now, the torch is burning brighter than ever before. And you know what has happened? There are many other folks in that tribe that have come to Christ because this man came to Christ. There are many other churches that have been planted as a result on this island for this man's faith. So he saw this light and he kept walking to this light. He kept moving towards this light. And the reason why I bring that up today based on the scripture that we're talking about is because every single one of us in this room are going to encounter people this week that are in one of three categories. First of all, you're going to encounter people this week that are walking in the light as he is in the light. That means they know the Lord. You'll encounter people at school, you'll encounter people at work, your neighborhood, maybe even in your own home that have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They do know him. They are walking in the light because of Jesus Christ. But then there's a second group of folks, a second category. You're gonna meet some that aren't walking in the light, but they're walking toward the light. Here's what that means. They're interested in knowing the truth about Jesus. There's something that's drawing them in their life. We know that to be the Holy Spirit of God. That they've been around other believers and they're like, man, something's different about them or they're starting to ask questions. I love the fact that as Rob was baptizing one of these young men today, he said, hey, he went to the fall retreat or he went to the winter retreat and, and he said, hey, can I talk to you Wednesday? I've got some questions. He showed up Wednesday and he said, I don't have any other questions. I've given my life to Jesus. But hey, there are some of you here that you do, you have the questions, and that's okay. Let's talk about the questions. Keep walking towards the light. I'm just saying, guys, that we will encounter folks this week that the light is shining, and they're moving toward the light. They just don't know the light's name is Jesus. They just know their life is not it's not all it's cracked up to be. They were promised something. They were told that when you do this, you have this relationship, you, you accomplish this, you get this career, you get this job, whatever the case is, you reach retirement, then you'll finally have what you've longed for. And every single time, they're bankrupt at the end of it. And you and I will encounter them this week. John said, my whole reason for being here is to point you to the light. Now, I'm not the light. <laughs> no, no, no. I've been called to point you to the light. I challenge you, look around your schools. I challenge you, look around your workplace. Look around, I mean, look around with the people that your kid plays ball with their kids. If you're here this morning, you're like, you know what, Pastor? I don't have anybody in my life that's not a Christian. Everybody in my circle are followers of Jesus Christ. I say this with all love. You need a life. You do. Reach out beyond that. Understand that God has placed you where he has placed you so that you might point people to the light. 
let me show you. Let me tell you exactly where I used to be, right? And then all of a sudden there was a little bit of flicker of light. And I'm like, what is that? That's different. Something, something's different. Something, I don't really know. I don't really, I'm, I'm just going to start making my way towards that. And all of a sudden, God started bringing people in my life. And all of a sudden, God started speaking. And all of a sudden, as I made my way closer and closer, God started drawing over and over until ultimately, he stepped out of heaven and stepped into my heart. But then there's a third group. Those that have turned their backs and are walking away from the light. And that's dangerous because they're at risk of dying without ever finding the truth about salvation. Think about your world. Think about your influence. Think about who's there. The Bible says this, how will they know unless someone tells? How are you doing on the telling part? I mean, I know it's a rainy Sunday. We heard it earlier. Messy roads. Going to have to walk through the mud to get to your car. By the way, guys, I'll just go ahead and say this as well. Go get the car and pick her up. She's trying to help you out. I mean, my goodness, you're the spiritual super elite. You're a Baptist here on a rainy day. John thought it necessary to say, let me tell you about my Jesus. There's none like him. He has fulfilled what no one else can. And he will rightfully fulfill what has been promised. But I've not come to talk of me. I've come to talk of him. Let me tell you about him. Would that be you this week? That right now when you hear me say that, who is in your circle of influence? Here is what I'm praying God would do. That God would bring somebody's face to your mind. Some name to your heart. You say, well, I've tried to talk to them. They're beyond hope. Oh, no, friend, Jesus is still on the throne. Don't you dare say they're beyond hope. That'd rob him of glory. And then there are others of you here. You're like, I've been thinking about Jesus. Good. Run to him. Hey guys, this is Pastor Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you for listening to this week's issue of the podcast called Unchangeable Truth. Let me encourage you as well, if you get a chance, go check out our website. It's Highland, H-I-L-A-N-D, Park, P-A-R-K, dot org. On that website, you'll learn more about our ministry at Highland Park Baptist Church. You can also listen to some previous sermons, which are archived for the previous year. And as well, if you ever find yourself in Panama City in person, come and check us out. Worship with us live at 2611 Highway 231 North. And we would also love to talk to you about Jesus Christ. If you got any questions regarding your relationship with Him, having faith in Him, or if this podcast has encouraged you, 
or you have other questions regarding the podcast, feel free, shoot us an email at podcast at highlandpark.org. As always, our prayer is that this podcast would point you to Jesus Christ, would increase your faith, and would help you as you mature daily in your walk with Jesus Christ. God bless.